0: Dear audience, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, a podcast about digital health and how healthcare systems adopt technologies. I'm your host, Tiasa Zaitz, and as part of the currently running series about age tech today's episode is focused on elderly care and how to best match caregivers and the elderly. You're going to hear from an Austrian entrepreneur, Anja Silbauer. According to OECD, healthcare coverage in Austria is near universal and accessibility of services is generally good. Austria is among the countries with the lowest self-reported unmet medical needs in the EU. While life expectancy has increased in recent years, behavioral risk factors remain a major driver of morbidity and mortality in Austria. For example, Smoking among adults has not declined over the past two decades and is now more prevalent than in most other EU countries. Progress with restricting smoking in public places has been slow and a smoking ban in establishments that provide hospitality was delayed by late 2019. Although alcohol consumption has decreased since 2000, it remains above the EU average. Anja Zilbauer is co-founder and CEO of Harmony and Care, an Austrian startup that designed a matching platform for caregivers and the elderly. It resembles dating providers. Caregivers and the elderly need to fill out a thorough questionnaire. This then serves as a basis for finding most suitable matches. In the past, Harmony and Care worked with caregivers' agencies in Austria, but in 2019, they also launched their own CarePlus platform that enables the elderly or their loved ones to find a full-time caregiver that lives with the elderly person at their home. In this way, the elderly can delay or avoid stressful moves to nursing homes and stay at home longer. In this discussion with Anya, you will hear some thoughts about the demands of the aging population, the needs of the elderly, and how society can best approach care in our final years of life. This episode is a part of a longer series about age tech and peaceful aging, so, tune in to other shows as well and subscribe to be notified about new ones automatically. Now, to Anya. Anya, hi. Let's start with understanding the elderly. What are their needs? What's their everyday like in general, based on your experience in the field?
1: I mean, I guess for us, it's a little bit of separating different kind of, uh, kinds of elderly, because we are working often with even elderly, which were born before World War II. So I would more or less group them in this category, which were born in the 1930s or early 1930s, then which were born during World War Two, and then those classically baby boomers who have, because they're so different in kind of what they wish and how they are as clients. Because uh, people who were born before World War Two, they often they you know they don't expect anything or they don't have big wishes because for them everything is kind of enough because they were growing up in really scarcity. So I also when you take care of them, they are pretty easygoing. Those who burned in the world uh, World War Two, which they don't have they don't have memories often on the war, but they have the feeling, you know, afterwards on that things were going better. So they have a lot of hope, but they also have a little bit more expectations of quality. And then you have the baby boomers, where we also have clients which were already, which are focusing really to get more quality, which also likes to see that they can enjoy life much more because they were growing up also after World War II, where everything was like scarce, but now they have everything. So they like to enjoy their life. So I think those three different kind of groups are important to separate from Mm -hmm. elderly people, kind of. And I mean, what's their everyday life? It depends if they are still fit or they need care. But all of them, they often like to play board games or they, all of them, they are for them food, like nutrition is super important. So for them, getting or eating is one of the biggest parts of the day because this is something special and they all can, uh, can do and, uh, also experience. And then, I mean, often they really wake up early in the morning because they're used to work hard and they go to bed quite early, like six or seven.
0: And what is the uh, kind of their group factors that impact someone to decide to start considering uh, getting a caregiver? Is, is there such a thing as an average age where you see that people are slowly getting adjusted to the idea and how does it even happen? Is it usually that the loved ones are the ones that start to uh, express a desire for an additional person to take care of the elderly person out of their own concern because they can't be present all the time?
1: I mean, often they are around 85 years old, but often sometimes even younger, but mostly starts with this age because often, I mean, when they, for example, forget to take the pills or if they fall, some, some of them have those emergency kind of watches first. And often when they have to, when they're calling the emergencies, this is some kind of indication for relatives always to see about that they have to do something on the situation or like 50 percent also they just fall and they break something and they are a long time in hospital or like the other part is also heavily affected on dementia and then they cannot really structure their everyday life and but mostly the relatives are seeing it that it's not working out and then they are asking for help.
0: And can you explain a little bit uh, about how does the market of nursing homes and elderly care look like in Austria? Because according to OECD, healthcare coverage is near universal and accessibility of services is generally good. Austria is among the countries with the lowest self-reported unmet medical needs in the EU. So from that perspective, I was kind of wondering to which extent do people rely on the healthcare system to take care of them and how does that reflect in the social care services and everything that's even available for when someone is uh, in need of help due to elderly issues?
1: I mean, first we have... Uh, seven care levels which are ranking up from one to seven for example care level one you get around 180 euros monthly on uh, state funding to care level seven which is really high where you really need substantial help which is uh, going until 1700 euros per month so we are also heavily state subsidized on the care level first. This care level you get it's not depending on any income of the person, so you can be, get a high, really high pension, you still get the care level, which is also, I think something to address because on many in many countries the care level is more or less based on the income as well as subsidy. And for sure, I mean, I think two, three years ago, uh, before it was always there, when you went to a stationary home care center, there was some kind of care regress. So they could take part of your house or your belongings. But uh, the latest, uh, the government before decided that this care regress is not going to work anymore. So uh, they can just take the pension of uh, of a person to cover the costs of a stationary home care center which means that Austrian stationary home care centers are pretty full right now. Before the COVID situation, you had to wait like mostly six months to get a space or place in a stationary home care center. Right now, it's looking much better, unfortunately, because of COVID, because many stationary home care centers was, were really heavily affected of COVID. But yeah, this is more or less the first source where people like to go who have a lower income or lower pension because it's always affordable. And then there are really different kind of uh, services for staying at home. I mean, one is this uh, mobile kind of services when you just need someone for the morning or for the evening. Those are still subsidized. So even for this service, you get subsidies. And then, I mean, the spectrum is going until 24 hour care. So uh, live in care, where you also get additionally uh, funding of 550 euros a-, a month. So you see, I mean, in Austria, they really, I think every person finds some kind of suitable system for them which they can afford, so nobody needs to stay at home if they're alone and is unable to get any treatment. So the system is pretty good, but we also have our borders because not many people like to work in this kind of field, so we also lack like a big workforce of caregivers and care nurses were are in the system and we rely heavily on people from South and Eastern Europe to come over to work in stationary home care.
0: Uh, we're going to come to that a little bit later because one of the things that you offer is also the option for uh, the families to get a caregiver full-time to the home, but just before that, I want to ask a little bit more about the subsidies that you mentioned. It, I, I'm pretty sure that since a large proportion of the audience is from the US, they're going to be fascinated by the fact that uh, this is actually subsidized. So, can you perhaps go back a little bit and just uh, elaborate a little bit further how the system is structured that the the country can afford to have subsidies in such amounts that you mentioned? Because I, I mean, think the the general perception would be that you either have to have, uh, savings for this per, uh, purpose or the family, the children need to take over the cost.
1: I mean, in Austria, it's like that, that we have really high salary side costs. So if you work, uh, you have to pay mostly half of your salaries going into state fund. So we rely heavily on social benefits in Austria overall. So, everything is like taxed a lot. Uh, So, this is more or less a system how we get the money uh, for all elderly people from workforce. I mean, right now it's still working because I think free people, more or less uh, free working people uh, are there for one person who is getting pension, but uh, it's also getting lower, this kind of ratio. So, I'm wondering how it will, how it it will be able be when we go to pension we will pay for our kind of health care service and everything but yeah this is more or less the system in Austria that because we have so uh, high taxes on salary and many other things we can it's state funded and yeah as as I mean in Austria the whole idea is was always after World War Two that everybody has affordable school I mean there's also no student fee when you when you're studying for example that there's a social uh, social state so this is also why they came up with the care levels and the care level funding because in Austria when you need care as you saw kind of you don't need any savings or family members mostly don't need to pay something additionally for the care of elderly people. I think it's just a totally different kind of system than in the US.
0: Let's move a little bit to the solution that you are providing. To imagine it most easily, you explained it to me as a Tinder for, for, you know, for the caregivers and the elderly. So in essence, it's obviously a lot more complex than that. But what you're offering is matching of caregivers and the elderly based on questionnaires that each group fills out. And then you kind of try to find the best match. Can you tell me a little bit more about uh, the experience? extensiveness of this approach and does it ever happen that a match doesn't work?
1: Yeah I mean we have seen five years ago that I mean often caregivers they were just sent into a household and often they were not matching with my co-founder for example here as like his mom uh, suffers heavily from dementia and they started uh, with this 24 hour care and for example 10 caregivers were sent in the first three months. Uh, from one agency and no one was fitting to the caretaker more or less and as he was uh, living before in the US he really thought I mean everything is individualized but caregiver is just coming to the house and sent to the house and there's nothing done that there's a match between the two personalities and this is in care really important in one to one care uh, for sure so we more or less elaborated with the University of Klagenfurt which is in the south of Austria uh, a kind of questionnaire and we just wanted to see if there, if we will even get as a result valid data out of it. So we had a big bunch of questions like 330 and then we more or less with different kind of agencies or so providers in the sectors, we downgraded it to, it's still a huge questionnaire and it still takes you 20 minutes to more or less fill in all the questions. But we more or less elaborated it with different kind of psycho uh, psychologists and psycholinguists linguists because we thought that it's really important that there is some valid data coming out of it. I mean, there are also like there are borders to this test for sure because I mean, when you can think of a dementia affected person, like even the personality often changes then with dementia, so. We always, always, like the relatives, like son uh, or the daughter, mostly fill in the the test uh, in the name of the caretaker. And often their wishes are also there, you know, for the whole caregiving process. But is there some kind of placebo effect too? Because if you can do something and you do this whole testing and you think, okay, now there will be the perfect caregiver coming to me. You know, the placebo is also then even showing them a good caregiver. So the matchings are also because of the placebo effect much, much better than expected. Sometimes it cannot work. Sometimes or in many cases, it's not working out because of uh, other circumstances, because often caregivers need also to leave after two, three weeks because they have some cases in the family where they have to go home because they're often from other countries. So that they have to take care of their own kids. Or, I mean, sometimes when we work with them first, they like to have the perfect personality and then fill something in they are not really. I mean, we have some check-up questions on that, but 100% sure you never can be. It's just like a, an additional tool, a tool, more or less, to provide a good matching But I think there are so many factors uh, playing
0: in this field. You started off uh, in Austria offering this solution to the agencies, but based on what you describe, it sounds like something that could easily scale, you know, to other countries as well. So uh, you are? present in some other countries in Europe, Germany, UK, Switzerland. So what what were the differences that you were noticing when going to other markets? Did you even consider that or was it not necessary because your core thing was to give agencies for caregivers the option of optimizing their work?
1: I mean, we made, I think, many mistakes young startups do because you always think there are two, free agencies and every agency will work similar. Uh, and it's not even in the country. But when you, for example, compare it to Germany, there are a little bit different legal circumstances on the model of caregiving because in Austria, caregivers are mostly self-employed people. So they're single enterprises because, because of work conditions and work uh, regulatories. And in Germany, for example, often they're even employed by the family. So you have to see, you know, with every different kind of aspect how it is. Otherwise, mostly caregivers from Germany, they're coming from Poland. And in Austria, they're mostly coming from Slovakia or Romania. So you have to work with different countries. But in the end, it's all about 24-hour care. And the prices are pretty similar in Austria and Germany, I would say. I mean, the funds, was like what I didn't understand so much. In Austria, it's expected that caregivers, they speak really good German. And in Germany, surprisingly, families, they don't care so much. So often the caregiver in Germany, they don't care. They cannot communicate at all with the patient. And they're just using Google Translate or other services. So the German level is really, really low. Uh, and I think Austria is anyway such a tough market because of the dialect and they not really German of people. I mean compared to Switzerland, uh, in Switzerland 24 uh, 24hour care is really expensive because they don't have the self-employed niche field. So they often like two or three people working every day on one patient. So it's often three times the price. But as we all know, Switzerland also have, uh, uh, Swiss people also have higher pension, uh, a much higher pension in Austria. So even the, uh, caregivers from Austria are often taking care of Swiss people. And in Britain, I mean, I think the system was totally different because there are also not so many fundings as in Austria or Germany. Uh so you have to see in Great Britain it was more that they were open to many different nations because English is not so uh difficult to study or learn from other countries. Uh so I think they often had a broader variety when it came to caregiver. However, in Great Britain you don't have close country like Germany with Poland, so they always have to travel a lot. So it's a little bit more expensive.
0: Just before COVID, you actually became sort of an agency yourself. You started offering the Care Plus platform, which means that you are now directly offering caregivers to uh, consumers. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So how does that approach differ from the work with the agencies uh, that you did before Here you also do some training of the caregivers. So how did the idea and the story develop there?
1: I mean, we saw that we were working always in B2B and we always have seen, you know, how the market was working out. And especially in Austria, agencies like uh, partners were not really innovative and they were not much on digitalization. And we have seen in Germany good examples where everything was working out pretty well. And we were—I was always like personally kind of struck by in Austria we have like not really well-educated caregivers, which are also treated like they were not good people or like slaves often. And so we were wondering already 2018, okay, if we can do something about it. And then we said, okay, the only thing what we can do, we can build our own kind of agency too. So we said, okay, we like to have a little bit of at least good quality we like to bring quality because that we saw that it's not really working out and so we established then also a company in Romania which is next to Hungary where we more or less educate and train people and make them ready for going to Austria but also I think what was my perspective giving them a like a future kind of perspective that they could maybe even work with this training and better German back into the countries. And maybe, you know, work there with different kind of jobs or in the medical field and go back. That is a little bit more sustainable.
0: And uh, what are kind of the core values or principles that your training entails? You know, so what do you see as the, the main needs that the elderly need that are often overlooked in agency work?
1: I mean, what we have seen is like for German to give them really like uh, to help them a little bit with the Austrian kind of German language, because this is like a problem as well to give them at least a basis basis German knowledge. But we also do trainings and we do a lot of digitalization. Then we also try to tell them, you know, how they, for example, how they can connect to a Wi-Fi uh, uh, connector, or how they use a tablet, because we are now uh, this year we are establishing more and more tablets to more strike down the, um, the different kind of vital parameters of people, like temperature or whatever. And so they need they need to be ready to use technology in Austria. Also, kind of to show them what. I think also the cuisine is a little bit different for so the kitchen. So we train them and give them also books full of Austrian recipes in Romanian to train them about them. And also then, last but not least, I think we train them about their legal rights as well. What they, that they know, OK, what rights they have in Austria as a caregiver that they, you know... They can also, if there's something not working out really well for them, know where they can go to. I mean, you will also help them, but it's good when you work in a country where you don't speak the the language, maybe that's good to know what your rights are.
0: When it comes to discussions of the aging population and the aging society, technology is uh, also uh, often mentioned as the solution to many problems monitoring devices iot devices as a way to help the loved ones just worry less so to which extent do you see that technology can help to which extent are you following the development of these devices and uh, are they already used uh, by you uh, as part of the solutions that you're providing
1: um, I mean, I think first we need those devices because in Austria and all the other Western European countries, women, they are working. They not have the time and the resources to take often take care on the elderly people, and that will be even a bigger kind of impact the next years. So I mean, this is foreseeable right now. I mean, we are using the tablets. I mean, we are uh, more or less in the homes to see, okay, if there's any any kind of measurements or something which are outside the normal barriers. And so our nurse are kind of already alarmed to go to those families. So that we use, and we will also use more video technology that uh, maybe patients or the caregivers can call via video calls, the relatives of the patient to be more in contact because more and more relatives are not even living Next to the household of the patient living, like in Germany or in the US or wherever. So, I think this is like something, and then I think there will be much more also uh, equipment or tech equipment used for mobilizing people out of bat because this is still like really heavy kind of work for caregivers. So, I think their robotics robotics can help a lot to also ensure that the caregiver can work much longer because the backs are often really heavily affected. And yeah, I think we are always looking for cooperation because I think as there are not so many e-health or healthcare startups, I think we have to work with one another and often we try out things and see if they might be uh, thinking of in the future. Patients we have, I mean, I think a robot never can present the the time or the 24 hours a caregiver is there. So I feel like these talks and those talking with someone, this might stay longer than there is a need of a caregiver. But yeah, let's see. I think in 20 years, the situation might be looking too different.
0: To which extent do you think that these solutions have already already shown that the move to the nursing care facility can be delayed because someone is uh, in the home of, of the elderly and he or she can stay at home for longer? Moves you know, to the nursing homes are very stressful. It's a different environment. And if they can choose elderly, the elderly usually prefer to stay at home.
1: Yeah, I, I guess I think if we have those equipment, because most uh, most uh, most of the time because you go to an elderly home care center because you really are in bed and need help with mobilizing. And if you have a lot of weight, often it cannot be done really easily at home. So this is mo- one of the biggest reasons. And I guess, you know, if there's better equipment and more affordable equipment, because there is equipment on the market, but still often too pricey, this can be very much delayed, but also with our service of having the harmony check and that two people are fitting better to each other uh, and there's less stress in this relationship. Often we have clients who start 24-hour care with 80 and they can't be there until they die because if you you're not if you have dementia, those kind of uh, factors. I think this is kind of okay to stay at home, but we always speak with the family and see what is uh,
0: possible and what is not. Uh, Since you mentioned pricing of uh, devices and things like that, how affordable and accessible is your solution? So to which extent, for example, do the gaps exist because of the differences between uh, cities and rural areas? You know, does it matter? Is it easier for somebody who's in a bigger city to actually have access to a caregiver compared to someone who's in a remote area? I think
1: not really because the transportation costs are just a little bit higher. So it might be 50 or 100 years more per month. I mean, caregivers often wish to be, be in bigger cities. I mean, they like often to go to Vienna or Salzburg or those, those cities because there's more infrastructure. So often you find better caregivers for those cities because just more like to go there. But normally there's a gap uh, between the fundings. And uh, our costs are around 1,100 years. And in Austria, a minimum pension is around 1,000 years. So there's a really small gap for those people. But on average, I think the pension in Austria is around 1,400, 1,500 years. So it's easily, more, uh, most of the time, affordable to stay at home.
0: What are kind of the, the main challenges that you are still facing uh you know in your vision to provide better uh, healthy or just nicer last years of of lives of people
1: I mean, there are a lot of challenges currently. There's Corona, that everybody has a negative COVID test. And often last time before they step inside the bus, they are tested positive and we have to find someone replacement. So this is a problem inside business. But otherwise, we will see how long, for example, people from Romania like to work in Austria and how quick their average kind of salary is going. Because once, I mean, there is also borders to this kind of market from Poland, Romania, because when we start then with Ukraine or source Belarus, I mean once the transportation might be too long and it's also not sustainable then anymore. So I think there might be some natural kind of boundaries as well to this market. And I think we will have all of our countries have to see that we find more people, more nurses, more caregivers who are inside our countries and like to take care. On our people, and also that they get salaries um, where they like to work in. So I guess this is a major kind of thinking for us. And then also more daycare is needed, I guess, in Austria and Germany, because not always twenty-four-hour care is needed, and often it's enough if there's someone between eight in the morning and six in the evening over there. So I guess this is also lack like of uh, of the market. So I think those are the two. Biggest kind of things we are more or less we need to address in the future.
0: Um, Based on your experiences and all the work that you've done so far, how much did that impact you and your thinking about aging, about uh, the last years uh, of our lives? I think these are topics that we don't normally think about, you know, until we're much older. So I wonder, you know, what did you learn? through the work that you do so far?
1: I think it's really important to talk with your kids, if you have any, what you wish as a form of care. Because often I see that they don't talk at all. So often really if they have some accident and they're in the hospital, nobody knows even what they want. So personally, I know that I will for sure have it in a written form of talk if I have once kids what I wish for that there's some care provided and often when I see the last days it's just about having someone there who's taking care of you, who hears you who is talking or even just touches you, these last feelings like and often I see also that you know we feel it the caregiver feels it also that those are the last hours or days and calls the family and then it's really important I guess that everyone who can comes and really talks that they can let people go somehow i think you should talk with your kids before what you what i what kind of wishes you have for your last days or months
0: which is probably easier said than done we know that you know in general communication in families is a it can be a huge challenge. So do you also run into any uh, challenges or uh, just uh, miscommunication or conflicts between, uh, you know, family members? Because on the one hand, children contact you and then perhaps the uh, father, mother or grandfather, grandmother, they don't agree with what the other party wishes. How do you tackle that? Yeah, it's. I think
1: uh, even today I had some kind of case when there are often more kids, uh, and everybody feels like to, ha- to, to need to organize that. They often are so many conflicts between the kids. We then really tell them that we need one kind of family spokesperson who talks with us, because otherwise they switch every day. They kind of mood or things they like to have for the parents and often I feel it's not the best for their kind of parents so it's not always easy I guess and I think it's good to go to a lawyer before and I mean there are different kind of forms in Austria at least uh, that you have some kind of notes what you like to have on on the care side or when you die so I guess this is also important that you might make that on time and yeah, but it's it's a troublesome kind of situation often where I don't know what to do. And I think there's no right or wrong, but yeah.
0: Do you see that COVID had any influence on this discussion? That it kind of opened up just the topic itself because so many old people died. And like to me, that was kind of a sign that we need to talk more openly about death and the end of life care.
1: I mean, honestly, I was vaccined on Sunday with AstraZeneca and I'm, I I talked to many patients and many of them or the kids, they don't even think that the parents should get the vaccination. I mean, I'm pro-vaccination because always you have to have a different kind of caregivers. So I feel more or less that this discussion still didn't go anywhere because everybody thinks as they are sitting at home, there is no of death for getting COVID and might be severe, stronger. So I don't see it in our market that there's more discussion for death or protection, unfortunately, which I, what I don't understand. But, yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, for example, I made a picture when I got the vaccination on Sunday and we were spreading it to our families, so relatives and the caregivers, that they know, okay, even I get the vaccination, maybe they should should get it too. It's safe. So this is kind of a bigger discussion right now in Austria than the actual death or whatever.
0: And uh, given that you work in the age tech industry, I'm sure that you have at least some ideas about how you wish the future would look like. So as a last question, what are your kind of hopes, desires, plans for the future? And, you know, how do you see that maybe aging in 20, 30, 40 years could look like and the, the, the last years of our lives?
1: I mean, first, I wish for the whole industry or startup industry in this field that maybe like kind of apps of different kinds Kind of e-health startups can be described pre-described as a as like a pill or whatever because this is still not possible in Austria so I guess many of the newest apps in the medical field could be like uh, described pre-described as like a pill or yeah, so this is one wish that this goes a little bit quicker, the whole procedure. And also, for example, that we have an Austrian a vaccination, a digitalized vaccination system. I still have paper with me, which is like, yeah. And I mean, for the elderly people, I think what I wish for is that more younger people like to work as a caregiver or as a nurse in the future, that they can attract more people, because otherwise, I really say, black like for the whole industry because we cannot just rely on people from abroad working in this field in Austria, Germany and that more or less there are more there are more like or robotics inside the system where the, the care work is heavy, like really you need to be strong and which is affecting your back, so I think I hope that this kind of equipment is more affordable in the future
0: You've been listening to Faces of Digital Health If you enjoyed the show, leave a rating or a review by going to www.lovethepodcast.com slash Faces of Digital Health and you will be redirected to the platform appropriate for your device. Stay tuned!